Today I want to talk about some of my favorite things. This came up in a podcast interview I did recently around meetings, and this was kind of the, I don't know, ending part of the interview, and I thought, oh, there's some good stuff here. I should share it on my own podcast. So here we go. So what's a favorite quote or something that inspires you? So right now I'm really inspired by the idea of personal ownership uh, and the, the notion of being an owner. You might be saying, well, what's an owner? Well, it's someone that, I think Chris Brogan summarized the best, and I wrote this quote down when I went to Podcast Movement in 2014. He was the first keynote speaker to the, uh, the I guess, the, the inaugural uh, event for a Podcast Movement. So he, he, this is what he said, quote, an owner is the kind of person that decides they are going to own their life. They own their choices, they own their business, and thus own their future. I think there's a ton of truth in this. And I've uh, some of this I've learned my learn kind of the hard way, which is that you can't necessarily choose the things that happen to you in life, but you can choose how you respond. Same kind of way with your feelings. You know, you feel different things and and we can't always, you know, make ourselves feel certain things, but we can make conscious decisions about how we will, how we will respond to those feelings. So, and I think there's a huge thing to this notion of really owning everything about our lives and ourselves and what we're doing and where we want to go. Again, we may not be able to control everything, but I think when we start to look at things through the lens of this is happening to me or, you know, I don't have any control in this situation or I don't have any choices, it's really easy to slip into kind of a victim mentality. And when my experience is when I'm stuck in that victim mentality, I'm really not going anywhere. And I can't go anywhere because I'm a victim. I, I have no choice. I have no agency. I, I'm stuck. So also this idea of ownership, I took this and actually made it into a personal mission. Well, I'd already had the mission statement, but it it kind of formed the second half of my mission statement. So this is my mission statement. I bring order to chaos and clarity to confusion so that owners can effectively communicate their truth and thrive. So if you know anything about me, you know I love managing well-run meetings. I love managing projects. I love, and I think the process that I love that's kind of mixed up in both of those is there can often be chaos and there can often be confusion. And I love the process of saying, hmm, we got a lot of crazy stuff going on here. Let's let's untangle all this stuff and let's really figure out what's going on here. And, oh, this particular thing that seems really clear, actually it's not. These five people all have different interpretations of what we're doing. Let's clarify this. Let's remove all the chaos from this situation. And once we're really clear and we're there's more order than there is chaos, we can really go after this thing and get it done and accomplish what we want to. So, but I guess the the thing that I arrived at here in my mission statement was that I want to work with and I really want to focus on people that are owners. There have been different times in my life where I've tried to help different people that weren't owners. And we spent more time talking about uh, why things couldn't happen (laughs) than why they could. And I guess over time, I just realized that it was kind of a... I don't know if it was a fruitless exercise, but it just it just wasn't a really 
good use of my time. It wasn't satisfying to me. It wasn't helping them. And until they were more in a place of, yeah, I'm going to own this. I'm going to make this happen as much as I can. I realize and when I say make this happen, I realize that not everything is in our control, but we can still do our best <laughs> to try. Realizing again that you can't control every possible part of an outcome of a situation. This also came up recently in a great book. I've never heard of this book before, but it was mentioned on a podcast by Roger Whitney. He's uh, known as the Retirement Answer Man. He has a really great podcast on retirement and managing your money and some slightly different perspectives than I've heard on money before. I highly recommend his podcast. I met him at Podcast Movement uh, in Chicago last month. And um, I was listening to him being interviewed on a podcast and he mentioned a book called QBQ, the question behind the question, what to really ask yourself to eliminate blame, complaining and procrastination. And it's by John G. Miller. I'm about halfway through it. It's a, it's a fairly easy read, but really, really kind of hammers this idea home of ownership and moving things forward and, you know, not getting, how to not get stuck in kind of the victim mentality, uh, which I very much associate with, you know, blaming, complaining, uh, maybe not so much procrastination. But anyway, I highly, I recommend that book. And then another book along that lines is also Extreme Ownership, how Navy SEALs Lead and Win, that's by Jocko Willink and Leif Babin. I think I might have mentioned Jocko before. Another excellent book. I think I'll do probably maybe a future episode on Extreme Ownership and QBQ. There's some uh, good kind of synergies between those two. Um, so another question I was asked was, what's, your, what's a favorite book? Um, I just mentioned... Extreme Ownership, that's definitely a favorite. Um, another book I've been reading recently that I don't know if it's gotten a lot of attention, but has been really good is The Motivation Manifesto by Brendan Burchard. It's it's kind of an unusual book. I think this was one of those deals where, you know, it was a new book coming out and um, he always seems to do his best to get to the top of the New York Times bestseller list. And in fact, he, he always puts that on the front of his books, which I think is a little funny. But Nonetheless, uh, it was one of those deals where you pay for, you, the book is free, but you pay for shipping. So I was like, ah, it's six bucks or something. So I did it. Anyway, this book's been sitting on my shelf and it's uniquely written. It reads a little bit like the Declaration of Independence um, and it's done intentionally, but it's a, it's an unusual book in that it just feels really good to hold it in your hands. It's a hardback the inside cover is red, like the the pe the pages. The corners of the pages are rounded, and I don't know, just the font and everything about reading this book is extremely pleasant. The book is also really strong along the lines. There's just a lot of different reminders about ownership, um, showing up in life, how to show up, the things that hold us back, how to treat other people gratitude. It it took me a little bit to kind of get into it, but it's the kind of book that I just kind of pick up and read a page or two here or there at a time and then set it down. But it just has lots of great reminders about living a good life and showing up as a, as a positive person and a positive force in the world. So I recommend that as well. 
Next question was, what's a favorite habit? Now, I totally confess that this habit is not happening right now. I mentioned in a future episode that I had pneumonia last month. Really set me back in terms of, like, 2016 had been my best year when it comes to exercise. I was walking fairly consistently five, six, seven days a week. I was doing a workout routine, You Are Your Own Gym, which I highly recommend, Mark Lauren. And all that came to a screeching halt. So my favorite habit, which I just kind of skipped over here, was is, I don't know that it's a favorite habit, but I would say it's favorite in the sense that it, it has totally like changed my day and moved a lot of things forward in my life. And that is getting up early. So early to me is 5, 5.30. Uh, if you go to bed early enough and get up at this time enough, after a while, your body, I don't even usually wake up with an alarm. I, I just kind of naturally wake up at that time now. I guess one more qualifier around this. Again, I just want to be really upfront and say I'm not doing it right now. I do need to get back into it, but it has been a hugely valuable habit. And that is to get up early and then to exercise first thing, not drink a cup of coffee. Uh, what I do though is, you know, I have a bottle of like a one of those big metal water bottles of like 22 ounces filled up the night before, sitting on my desk or wherever my exercise clothes are. Get up at 5, 5.30, drink the bottle of water, put on my exercise clothes and head out the door and go for a, a 30, 40, 50 minute walk. I also have a, a, a lesser known exercise watch called uh, My Basis. Uh, actually, they just did a recall on all of the latest generation of that watch. So I guess I don't recommend that, but I had the first generation uh, that a that my friend Charlie got me onto. So anyway, tracking steps and stuff is, was also just kind of a motivation to see, you know, can I get to 10,000 steps today? So head out the door for a walk or do the exercise routine. The best part about doing that first thing I find is one, it wakes me up. Like it's, it's a nice way to just like get the blood flowing and kind of wake up my brain. And by six o'clock, I'm done. Exercise is done for the day. If I put it off any longer, it usually doesn't get done. So Favorite habit, again, I don't really enjoy this process per se, but I definitely enjoy the results and the outcome from it. And I got onto this idea by reading a book called The Miracle Morning by Hal Alrod. Highly recommend that book as well. I've done some, I've done his techniques kind of off and on, um, but he has, he has some really, it's, it's just, it's a pretty easy read and just some really good ideas and techniques for starting off the day. Next question was favorite tools, gadgets, software do I use often? <laughs> and my response to this question, which I talked about on a previous podcast, was my love of 4 by 4 post-it notes and a black Sharpie. Now, I have a confession on this one too, which is I have stopped using the post-it notes. So you might say, well, why? What I thought this was, you know, a favorite tool. What I find with tools for tracking to-do lists and tasks, I find that they're always, I find that they have a limited shelf life, I guess what I'm saying. And I was talking to a coaching client about this just the other day, and we were saying, you know, use, use a tool for as long as it works, and then when you realize it's not working, find something new or switch to something that's worked well in the past. And, and this is a pattern I've seen for myself, which is tr I go between Trello, paper, just writing to-do lists on a blank sheet of paper. And not a to-do list, I just kind of write things in bubbles, almost like a mind map, or the post-it notes. 
And so the post-its were just, I don't know, there was just some negative energy as, like just kind of piling up around these post-its because I often reuse them for like reoccurring things. Anyway, the, the post-its were just, they just kind of fell out of use and they were starting to just be a big pile on my desk. They were starting to be depressing to look at. So I went through them really quick to make sure there wasn't anything I was missing or I hadn't captured somewhere else and I threw them away. And now I've moved on to, or at least currently, I'm using this more mind map freeform approach on a blank piece of paper that I have att attached to a clipboard. I have a couple clipboards. So I recommend that too. So it, it's just kind of it's on its own clipboard and that clipboard can just kind of follow me around wherever I am. And it's always sitting on my desk where I can look at it. Uh, that's a, I find that's key too. With the post-its, they were always, like I could always see them when I was working on stuff. They're always in my line of sight. Same with the uh, my map to-do list. That's a favorite tool that I'm not using, but I know I'm going to come back to it again. Probably come back to it in a time where I'm feeling totally overwhelmed and just like, oh my goodness, there's just not enough time in this day or this week. How can I feel sane again? And that's when I'll probably get out the black Sharpie and the four by four, not four, they're not, they're uh, four inches by four inches, not, uh, so I mentioned this to someone and they're like, that must be ginormous, but no, it's just, yeah, little square post-its. Also related to this, 25-minute timers or Pomodoros. My friend Charlie is huge on this. He His, his discipline and ability to, to, to focus on the timers and, and it's part of his tracking uh, is something I, I really admire and aspire to. And I use this technique on and off. Um, I've got a very simple, I think it's called uh, Pomodoro. I'll put a link to it in the notes. It's a very simple app that I run on my Mac I run it on all my computers and, you know, it's just a 25 minute timer. You can set it to whatever you want, but setting that timer. So the combination kind of between the post-its of like, this is the most important thing I need to do today or most important things. And then setting a timer to actually work on those things, because often those most important things are not things that I naturally want to spend my time on. But the timer, knowing that it's just, okay, I am focused on, for the next 25 minutes, my butt cannot leave the chair for 25 minutes. All I can do is either sit here and work on this thing or think about it, but I can't do anything else. And I have varying levels of success of being that disciplined with it. But when I am, I definitely see the results. So 25-minute timers, Pomodoros, whatever you want to call it, super useful. And then the last, one of the other questions that I was asked was, you know, what's a favorite challenge or a call to action? couple, I have, I don't know, four or five of them here. So a few related to meetings. Decline a meeting invitation if you think it's a poor use of your time. Maybe even tell the person that. I don't think this is a good use of my time. I can't come to your meeting or I won't be coming to your meeting, whatever you feel is the right thing to say there. Another one, refuse to attend the meeting unless there's an agenda. Nothing's worse than that, you know, five people get attended to a meeting to discuss stuff or discuss this project, but you don't really know why you're going to be there, or what's going to happen, or if you're even needed. So one time several years ago, I invited someone to a meeting, and instead of just automatically accepting the meeting invite, their response was, is there an agenda for this meeting, and do I really need to be there? And at first I was kind of like, well, why are you asking me? Like, Anyway, at first I was a little put off, and then I realized, well, no, good for you. If you don't need to be here, you shouldn't be here. And if I can't tell you why you need to be here, then why should you come? So that would be my second challenge. My third challenge would be to try collaborative note-taking at meetings. If you are in an environment where 
you there's a lot of talk and not so much action. Sometimes, even if you're not the meeting facilitator, just starting a shared document, Google Docs or whatever the Microsoft equivalent is, something where you can start taking notes and other people can see the notes that you're taking and then potentially add or modify those notes. I think you'll see some positive improvements from trying that. And if you're not, I would totally be curious why. That would make for an interesting episode in the future, perhaps. Now, the next one would be if you're facilitating a meeting, be bold and ask specific people to take actions that you think belong to them or to their respective area. Sometimes that's uncomfortable. I often find that after you do it a few times, I do it now without even thinking about it. And it tends to just kind of move things along. And if if a particular action doesn't belong to someone, while that might result in somewhat of an awkward, contentious conversation, it's really good to figure that out on the spot than to just assume that it's going to get done or find out the next week that it didn't really belong to that person. So being direct, I think there's a lot of value in that with this. So I think it's, it's valuable to be direct in a situation like that. And related to this, and this is my last call to action or challenge, speak to exactly what you're observing in a meeting or something that isn't working. I've seen a lot of, you know, meeting discussions where the, the conversation gets frustrating or things seem to be going in a circle and, and things are kind of floundering, but nobody is quite sure why. I've seen it completely change the, di- the dynamic of the discussion to either stop the discussion or just jump in and say, I don't feel like we're getting anywhere or I've lost track of what we're trying to figure out here or <laughs> someone at work likes to tease me. What problem are we trying to solve here? Um, they've given me a bit, such a bad time about that. Now I'm self-conscious when I ask that question, but it's, it's amazing how you can get 10 or 15 minutes into a conversation and, and especially with a bunch of engineers <laughs> and be all over the place. And, and, and some people I think really just kind of love the conversation for the conversation. Um, I'm more of a, like, what's the point? Let's get to the bottom line. And so I think that, you know, speaking to what's going on, it feels like we're really confused here. It feels like we're really unclear on what we're trying to figure out. What are we trying to figure out can really go a long way. So don't sugarcoat it, but also don't be a jerk. So there are some of my favorite things. Thanks for listening to The John Polster Show. Notes, links, and all that other good stuff for this episode are at johnpolster.com slash podcast. If you have questions or ideas for the podcast, send those to podcast at johnpolster.com. Thanks to Kevin McLeod for the music on this podcast, which is licensed under a Creative Commons license and can be found at incompetech.com. <laughs>